0: from Podcast One.
1: Coming up in this episode of Target USA. In its quest to return to superpower status, Russia's become something else.
2: But Russia is not a superpower in this way. Russia is super problem.
1: Linus Linkevichus, foreign minister from Lithuania, which has had its own big problems with Russia, detailing what we need to watch
2: out for. They are members of uh, permanent members of uh, Security Council, United Nations, a council which is supposed to stay on the guard of peace uh, system in the world, uh, but they are violating these laws themselves, undermining system and also trust uh, mm. to the legality of of, of United Nations. And he'll tell us
1: exactly how to deal with Russia. Coming up on this edition of Target USA.
0: The National Security Podcast.
1: From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. The entire nation, including the U.S. government political system, intelligence and security officials, all of us, whether we know it or not, are grappling with the effects of the Russian government's meddling before, during, and after the 2016 presidential election. The Kremlin's main goal was to create a climate of distrust, and in the words of intelligence and government officials, create chaos in the U.S. It appears the Kremlin's information operation campaign was successful. On the 16th of May, Lithuania's Foreign Minister Linas Linkevichis was in Washington for meetings with National Security Advisor John Bolton and others. Russia was a major topic. How to handle Russian information operations is something Lithuania has a lot of experience at, and that, no doubt, was something Foreign Minister Linkevicius shared with Trump officials. After his meetings, he came by to talk with Target USA about his trip, and especially Russia. Today, as you're here in Washington meeting, um, it's my understanding that um, Russia is very much on your mind and the security of the Baltic states at this point. What is the security situation in the region right now?
2: Unfortunately, security situation not just in our region but elsewhere, it's quite uh, difficult, uh, tense, and uh, that means that our organizations we belong to should uh, take this reality. Realistically, not according wishful thinking, but how, how it looks like. And, uh, you know, this success is not a given. We have to buy some efforts. So definitely now we are talking about forthcoming events. Uh, for us, it's very important. NATO Summit mm-hmm. which will take place in July, very soon. So how to make sure that this organization remains not just most successful defense alliance in the history, but also most efficient Uh, And then definitely we have to address all current challenges, including what's going on in our region. Mm -hmm. So uh, knowing that migration, terrorism, uh, all other threats are really existing, but we're also looking around and what Russia does, for instance. And this factor really uh, quite disturbing. Uh, Basically, it depends on each country's personal experience you know this eyes opening exercise is still taking place if we would talk with you 10 years ago that would be picture more tolerant uh, mm-hmm. from some our my european allies mm-hmm. now it's a bit different after after experience they went through like after MH17 downing uh, after after some meddling into the elections in some european countries also in 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 the United states by the way it's not exceptional <laughs> after after many after many sort of see examples but every country has own experience and now it looks like more realism, yeah. more realism here, and I also, also can say that we were we were talking about these threats for, for many years, and I personally was talking, for instance, after war in South Caucasus in 2008, which was relatively not so long ago, and our reaction, initial reaction was quite principled, tough, but we got back to business as usual very soon, in a couple months, because there were calls to be pragmatic, to be flex- flexible, to be realistic. And we're always saying, let's draw lessons. Mm -hmm. Let's learn lessons. Not aggressors should take lessons that uh, something, what they're doing in the wrong way has a very little Mm price. It's wrong. We have to take the lead ourselves. So this is exactly what we're talking these days about challenges and how we, we have to address them.
1: Let me jump in and ask you specifically. You've mentioned a couple of words here, difficult and disturbing and Russia. And that is something that we in America have finally come face to face with but you've been dealing with this for quite a long time i'm interested in your view on the leadership of russia at this point what do you think of them what do you think they're up to what is it what is their objective
2: yeah unfortunately russia just guided by the zero-sum game philosophy uh, they cannot understand that countries surrounding if they're choosing some different way uh, of development it doesn't mean that it's uh, desperately at the expense of their security it could be win-win approach so they cannot understand that and they also still unfortunately think that uh, can demonstrate power military power and uh, that would be argument uh, to sit by the table and to be respected hmm. so, uh, so to, in to other be, words
1: in other words to to, to 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 steal and to take and to do things by force is what to them is most important and gives them Is is credible to
2: them? It's not just credible, but it proved to be right, you know, because Mm -hmm. they they occupied two thousand eight. They occupied twenty percent of Georgian territory, sovereign state, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It was relatively recently. Uh, Was that uh, very seriously taken? Yeah, it was some reaction, some protests, but it was kind of taken as an almost new normal. Mm -hmm. They learned the lessons that it's possible to do in twenty first century, and they annexed Crimea. Now they conducting aggression in Ukraine. And you know, paradoxically, uh, how to put it mildly, they are members of uh, permanent members of uh, Security Council, United Nations, the council which is supposed to stay on the guard of peace uh, system in the world, uh, but they are violating these laws themselves, undermining system and also trust uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, legality of, of, of United Nations. So many, many other reasons. And I'm always saying that Russia is not a superpower in this way. Russia is super problem.
1: The U.S. supposedly, uh, over the years, definitely has been uh, a big uh, nemesis for Russia, and it's been a big supporter of peace and democracy in the region. And some of that seems to have changed based on some of the statements that some of the leaders from Europe have made, not the least of which was Angela Merkel uh, some months ago, maybe last year, saying uh, Europe may have to go this alone. Uh, and um, because of developments in the, in the United States. So um, how do you feel about the U.S. presence and the U.S. willingness uh, to do what it has been doing or used to do and is expected to do as a member, a key member of NATO and the United Nations?
2: You know, I should say all should do. Uh, there is specificity, specificity peculiarities. Uh, there's always strength to, I shouldn't say always, but sometimes uh, there's some temptation to, to, to do things autonomously, you know. Uh, well, to think that we really split, uh, which would be big disaster. And I believe, I, I hope, that we will m- make sure that everything what was invested so far in the alliance, NATO alliance, uh, what was done in transatlantic links, and um, not just having in mind uh, defense or security, also trade, if you wish, so economy, uh, other things, not the best time for that, but that would be a big mistake just to walk away and to present this as a done deal in negative, uh, so to say, way, that would be very bad. So I believe we will find, uh, so to say, arguments and also uh, find some, some way how to preserve what was done and to make sure that our transatlantic alliance is really great again if i may paraphrase <laughs> which is really would be better for both sides of the ocean
1: so is the, is the trump administration doing what is necessary how do you feel about what steps they some
2: take things out? are done really maybe in the way when not very nice to some ears but but president trump demands more defense spendings and by european allies he's right that's a good thing it's it's a necessary thing it's, it's discussed for years and never done and frankly, it's logical why United States should pay 80% or something like that NATO bills. Of course, it's not fair. There so sh- should be some, some sharing of responsibility, definitely. But we have to do the utmost, not just for defense spending, but also to think about output efficiency, how we are using these resources, not mm-hmm. to com- compete, uh, not to duplicate what we're doing in Europe and United States. It's possible, it's doable, but we have to address this issue. So it mm-hmm. has to do with the summit, which is uh, taking place in July, and also in our overall cooperation, addressing threats, risks, NATO missions. Uh, and uh, I believe we we, we we can do that, definitely.
1: I was in Bulgaria in 2016 in November at the NATO cd e conference uh, in Sofia. This is um, something they do every year, the military, primarily to take a look at possible Mm. tactics and uh, strategies for dealing with uh, all of the issues that NATO has to deal with. And at the time, this was one week after Russia had essentially, uh, one week after the election in the U.S., and Mm. we discovered uh, what Russia had been up to, uh, to some degree. In the region, every day, every hour, I'm sure, you see and are aware of the Russian presence there and are aware of the many different ways that the Russian organization does its work. It's, we, we call it hybrid warfare. It's many different ways. They use the information, they use the, the guns and the weapons, they use the little green men with unmarked uniforms. What message do you have from the region for the U.S. when we think, looking ahead, towards our role in NATO and our responsibility towards the U.S.'s allies in the region. What, what message do you have for the U.S. leaders when it comes to all of these things that you see on a daily basis from Russia there?
2: I would ask for more realism, and it's uh, having place, by the way, uh, not to be guided by wishful thinking, and to assess situation adequately. Russia is not a partner today. Maybe tomorrow, maybe after tomorrow, but it depends on our behavior, mm-hmm. and our attitude. Russia is a factor today. We should waste resources, time, and cannot agree on something or, or do something together. So this is re- re- reality today. And very important to this principled position based on values and principles, not concessions, not retreatment, you know. Because flexibility or looking for some compromise sometimes taken as a weakness on other side. If somebody thinks that they will do the same, will be in you know, this polite, flexible way, it's wrong because it's taken as a weakness. Or even I would say, you know, it's a different philosophy when sometimes some guy saying, let's not do something because it's provocative, right? Let's okay. not say something, it's provocative. I would say vice versa. If you're not doing something, what is necessary to do in time, not too late, if you're not doing, this is provocative. So, so if that's, that's different.
1: So in other words, stop with the empty rhetoric and, and do something Do something concrete, You is that correct?
2: Correct, because okay. just tangible tangible messages can make a difference, not uh, empty words.
1: You were quoted in uh, June 2015, June 9th, in the Wall Street Journal, saying we can't trust a single word of the Russian leadership. Russian statements are worthless.
2: Unless proved on, on the ground, in reality.
1: Uh-huh. And um, so, so, so what you were saying essentially is, this was taken out of the context of um, discussions about uh, perhaps figuring out a way to appease Russia or to get Russia back into the fold again. Uh, this was after the realization of what had taken place in the Crimea was not just something that was going to go away. Mm. Have you changed your view? No, no,
2: no. It's Even more examples. And you said yourself, by the way, hybrid threats, you said, mm-hmm. right? I, I would single out uh, strategic communications. Out of that, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, brainwashing, so to say. Mm-hmm. It's big machine working, billions uh, euros or dollars behind to brainwash, uh, so to say, people. In even in Crimea, before so-called annexation, people were brainwashed uh, by official media outlets. Basically, people were waiting that bandits coming from Kiev to kill them, and they were happy to see Russian soldiers to to liberate them. Uh, that's what's reality and we know that from our own own sources Mm -hmm. as you said this green man yeah green man fine it's also something new or white tracks i would add you know this humanitarian assistance going to ukraine god knows what they're carrying there right so we have to readjust and review our manuals basically and look at these hybrid threats not less Uh, with not less attention than to conventional threats. It's a very different nature of uh, nowadays. And this is really something we we have to take very seriously.
1: Is this something that's going to happen at the summit in July, you believe? I
2: hope it is, because more and more we're talking about cyber. Now it's very, uh, or hybrid, now it's very popular. So to see terminology, if you're talking to politicians, everyone already knows these songs, you know, (laughs) and using this terminology. But very good to deal with the substance and definitely to do what we can do, to mobilize know-how, expertise. Uh, manpower uh, to address issues jointly as I said not duplicating that's very important we can do that mm-hmm. same same with regard to the information strategic communications
1: Linus Linkevicius, Lithuania's Foreign Minister so far on this program he's told us in a very frank way that the Russian government is spending a lot of money on its media outlets to push lies and in his words brainwash people The West, he says, needs to be realistic about Russia and treat Russia not as an ally, but as the adversary that they are. And he says compromising with the Russian government is not a good idea because for the Russian government, compromise is a sign of weakness. And when we come back after a short break, then will tell us we should stop blaming ourselves for Russia's behavior.
2: Not to not to be guided by wishful thinking. Again, uh, when we are saying that we need good relations, you know, with Russia, who can argue? But I'm always saying we shouldn't blame ourselves, because sometimes uh, I hear from some colleagues we have to improve. Rela- we have to improve relations. So mm-hmm. we didn't annex Crimea, we didn't annex twenty uh, percent of Georgian territory, we didn't men- mendle into the political system of different countries and, and elections. What we should improve? Stop blaming ourselves. Stop. Yeah. Yeah that's
1: when we come back on target usa the national security podcast i'm jj green and this is target usa the
0: national security podcast
1: Linus Lenkevichis, the foreign minister from Lithuania, is our guest on this program. And he's told us so far we need to be realistic about what we're up against when it comes to the Russian government. And that is their strategic communications program, which is essentially to push out lies. But he also says we need to stop blaming ourselves for Russia's behavior. Uh,
2: I, I think, I still think that we are losing this information war although we are capable to win, but it was overlooked for a long, long time. I remember 10 years ago we discussed these issues and some colleagues thought, what are we are talking about, about European propaganda? or we talking about censorship? And we said, no, we're talking about facilitating alternative sources of information, making sure that our information is more assertive, more accountable, and not to leave lies unattended. If, lie, if you're repeating lies 15 times, it's becoming true passively yeah. consuming and this is uh, even you are not, if you don't care about politics for instance but you're listening listening and it's creating you the picture which is completely wrong and that's uh, as a, causing very very big consequences when people then uh, do not trust not just politicians but not listening arguments taking decisions electing populists and radicals into the power so uh, gaps which are uh, empty because of lack of leadership Immediately filled with something else, and that something else is not along the lines we are thinking. So, very big consequence. And, and I believe now we're starting, just starting to realize. And uh, it was a long, long period where we neglected or really overlooked this, these threats, which were taken by our opponents in the full speed. Mm-hmm. You know, um,
1: speaking of um, the information and the communications uh, issue, I was looking at your Twitter feed. There is a, a retweet there from the Radio Free Europe and uh, Radio Liberty, and there's a photograph there of uh, Vladimir Putin in a truck.
2: Ah, yes, recently. Yes. Building bridges, right? Yes. So, so Exactly. Very good. Very symbolic, you know. Yes. To go by track, the bridge, which uh, annexed territory, violating all rules, international law. Yeah, so, so very...
1: I wanted to ask you, Vladimir Putin, supposedly, according to sources I've spoken to, was worth $200 billion, more than Bill Gates and Jeff mm. Bezos together. Mm. The picture of him sitting in this truck, with dressed in...
2: Belts, yes? With safety belts. No safety belts. By the way, so it's uh, dangerous.
1: Breaking lots of rules, as mm. I've been told. Mm. What does this photograph say to you?
2: Exactly what it was uh, tweeted, you know, basically you know uh, why i'm saying we have to be not just vigilant but also realistic because russians are very gifted to swap sides. they're usually accusing others what they're doing themselves mm-hmm. it was uh, with regard to the war in the ukraine it was in salisbury it was everywhere mh-17 yeah. uh, syria mentioned and mentioned you know it's exactly but opposite <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's really it works you know Sometimes even even, you know, uh, I can not going too far and too deep, but just to mention, you know, probably there are some NATO efforts to improve our security and there is so contingent called enhanced forward presence, multinational contingent is deployed in Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, uh, around thousand troops on each country. Is it big deal? It's really not dramatically big number, right? Thousand if you have hundreds of thousands accumulated in the Western military district, it's by far nothing to compete, but it was sold publicly that they are responding to the efforts to the the threat of NATO, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or we have four planes uh, conducting air policing. We do not have own jets, even, and it's air policing, it's not your defense, it's not uh, military, it's just uh, you know taking care about airspace. And this is also sometimes provided as a muscle stretching and something like very aggressive. And it is, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, so sold, sold out very efficiently because sometimes even journalists from Western Europe asking me. Are you not afraid that you're, you're provocative when demanding more security for your reason? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it, is it really realistic when they're talking about provocative again to to, to to trying to be safe? It's it's provocation, of course. I understand. It's really so, so, dramatic. So listening to you talk about Russia's
1: communications efforts, which uh, basically s- s- says very well that what they're doing is they're using communications to... Sell a bit of uh, a, ba- uh, a bag of goods yeah. to people. Yeah. So, do you think what the Russians, the Russian government uh, and its operations? Do you think it's a house of cards? Do you think it's fragile, um, or is is it more?
2: I don't know whether it's fragile, but what I know, and also I'd suggest you, when we're talking about Russia. Now we also mentioned Russia, Russians, Russia, Russians are, you know, Russia is big uh, and, and Russians are different. And
1: we don't mean the Russian people. We're no, that's about- my
2: point. Because I can tell you, for instance, we are. Because the Russian people are very good people. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I have many friends. I can speak Russian. I'm sometimes kidding that I can think Russian. This is even more interesting, <laughs> you know, if necessary. And we're inviting Russian Russian intellectuals, writers, journalists, freedom fighters every year. And I will be fifth in a row. A Russian Forum soon, uh, just a few weeks la- later in, in May, and that will be another event with Russians. Mm-hmm. Are they also Russians? Kremlin shouldn't monopolize representing Russia. That's my point. Uh-huh. And I I, am I, I also, when I'm called Russophobic, I, I disagree because if I speak Russian, if I like this culture, literature, poetry, how it can be Russophobic? Mm-hmm. I, I like talking to Russians because really decent people, uh, and they deserve to live in the free country and democracy. Yeah. But up to them to do that, you know, that's mm. the point. Uh, yeah. we, we will not do that. Uh, they will do themselves. Yes. And is it fragile or house of cards? I'm not, uh, I don't know, frankly. But if we will not talk to them, if we will not keep these channels of communications, not only with officials, but also with bigger, so to say, uh, Russia, that would be a big mistake. And uh, I believe we have to do that. It's not done, basically.
1: So what do you think of Vladimir, Putin's, Vladimir Putin getting another, another crack at being president? after all these
2: years you know again difficult to say now there was a speech annual speech you remember with this uh, missiles going to florida and again they said they are not listening and now listen and he showed these missiles it's not dialogue we'd like to see right probably but Mm -hmm. also it was another part of the speech which maybe was not uh, was overlooked a bit he talked about necessary investments into technologies to make economy competitive it was never done by the way mm-hmm. but if they will really do that that will be a move from mm-hmm. that confrontation and maybe we will it's time really to get out of the stalemate uh, political military economic i would say because it's costly and leads nowhere so if they will change maybe that would be the way to go but uh, whether it will be done very difficult to say before football championship uh, world cup nothing will change because they will be nice as usually and that idea to have this championship in Russia—it's bad idea in my view, view because it's always used for politics. It's mm-hmm. not never never purely sport event or cultural. It's always will be political, and I believe it's it's wrong. But okay, before that nothing changed, and after that we will see. It will be choice for for this, as I said, uh, more 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 less less aggressive and more economic uh, type of of development that will be kind of improvement and progress, Mm -hmm. Uh, let's wait.
1: Minister Lenkiewicz, you were here in Washington to uh, meet in part, part of your time here was to meet with uh, national security advisor, John Bolton. Um, How would you characterize the meeting and and
2: what took place? You know, very positive, uh, very concrete, uh, focused. What we would like to see, not just, you know, ritual relationship, uh, regular, which is also by itself important political message, but we have meaningful uh, to talk about concrete stuff uh, when it comes to the security. So as I said, now preparations for the summit, for instance, what our expectations, what we have to do, what Europeans will have to do, uh, what should be a dialogue between Europe and the United States. Uh, although we are a small country and we are not naive, we will not maybe make a difference, big difference. But we really can add our efforts to the right decisions. And that's that's obvious. So we are talking about very concrete things. We are focused what, on the what? issues. Now, for instance, preparations for the summit. Mm-hmm. We'd like to see uh, decisions uh, continuing what was done in Wales, in Warsaw. Uh, I mentioned enhanced forward, forward presence. We'd like to see not just ground component, but also Navy, Navy and Air Force's components uh, in, in, in addition to this enhanced forward presence. We'd like to see. See, the more, more speedy decision-making process in NATO because 29 you so to say, decision-makers, mm-hmm. bureaucracy is big and time sometimes not the most uh, most sensitive factor in mm-hmm. taking decisions. Many, many other things. Did you
1: What was your sense of um, Mr. Bolton's um, uh, approach to, to dealing with, with the situation in the Baltics right now?
2: My feeling was that he's very re- realistically assessing situation in the region. Also, when we... Uh, role of Russia, for instance, right? It's also very important. Mm, well, the issues which are already mentioned, uh, defense spendings, uh, it's always the current administration putting is, emphasis on that was also mentioned. But is, we. Is, mm-hmm. is, is it enough? No, no, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enough, but I'm telling you there's concrete things. For us, it's very important to have a regular uh, framework of relationship. To have interagency coordination, uh, to, to, to have some system where we can really assess what was done, what was not done, and to compare notes, basically. I feel that we are like minded in many issues uh, and we have to use it. We have to use it, and I'm very satisfied with the meeting.
1: Did he say anything specific to you that uh, gave you uh, anything, uh, any, anything concrete in terms of what, what happens next?
2: Oh, if you're talking about concrete promises or something, maybe it was not the case. It was important because he just five weeks in, in the OU office, so you should not forget. And very important mm-hmm. to start from the scratch, so to say, not from the beginning, because it was some investments before, and to continue the same spirit, uh, business-like spirit uh, context. And I, I believe that was set. That was important mm-hmm. result.
1: Did uh, Did you ask him anything specific? Um, um, regarding uh, how relations will go, uh, did you get anything uh, specific in terms of the frequency of engagement or? Like, yeah,
2: we talked about regularity, we also uh, expressed our wishes, I will not go into too details, but we just mm-hmm. repeated what we were talking uh, during previous meetings. Uh, recently, re- relatively recently, we had summit of Baltic states in Uni- United States, mm-hmm. It was the last day of previous National Security Advisor, so good to continue because the, that was political boost from the political level. We must, must implement what was talked mm-hmm. about, so that was our task, basically, mm-hmm. so I believe we did that.
1: Did your president ask you to come here, your prime minister asked you to come here with anything specific in mind to bring back?
2: Exactly what I told, to, to keep, on, on, keep pace of, mm-hmm. of, of the relations, so to have the systematic approach as concrete as possible as focused as possible uh, to not to not to neglect all these co- concrete points we we, we already developed and we, we did that mm-hmm. so we'll see we'll see
1: two more quick questions mm-hmm. um what's your advice for the u.s in fighting fighting off this situation with russia
2: frankly it's uh, moving along the lines what we would like to expect because last discussions in nato ministerials it realistic approach. Mm-hmm. So I believe very important not to give up, not not to retreat, not to not to be guided by wishful thinking. Again, uh, when we are saying that we need good relations, you know, with Russia, who can argue? But I'm always saying we shouldn't blame ourselves, because sometimes uh, I hear from some colleagues we have to improve rela- we have to improve relations. So mm-hmm. we didn't annex Crimea, we didn't annex twenty percent of Georgian territory, we didn't men- mendle into the political system of different countries and, and elections, what we should improve. Stop blaming ourselves. Stop. Yeah, yeah. because sometimes it's fields and Russians uh, immediately reacting. Of course, uh, Western countries did nothing to improve relations
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that's wrong. So it's again, it's maybe public diplomacy or, or wrong perception, <laughs> but these details are important if you agree. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to have good relations, but not at any expense. If we'll clo- close eyes of what they're doing, relations will be good next day yeah. do we need these kind of elections and need another surprise another frozen conflict somewhere in Transnistria I don't know where or somewhere in the world do we do we need that probably not so but we should blame ourselves if we are not consistent ourselves sometimes if you're forgetting what we agreed ourselves and then Uh, being surprised that uh, they are doing something wrong so uh, very important Uh, our position we cannot blame ourselves of uh, what happening in the world but we should share responsibility if we are not uh, Mm forward-leaning enough
1: last thing I would ask and then I'll ask for thoughts from you um, uh, Ukraine is peace possible there in the near future
2: in the near future uh, very difficult uh, and I'm afraid that uh, the situation with Crimea is very difficult uh, maybe this conflict, uh, what Russia uh, has, uh, this aggression against the eastern part of Ukraine, Donetsk, Lugansk uh, regions, uh, maybe that could be solved somehow. But the situation will be very difficult for the time being. Again, uh, we have to be realistic. If Russians denying, again coming back to this, uh, so to say, public messaging, uh, they are not party to the conflict, as you know officially. Mm-hmm. They are not taking part. They are observing, mediating, whatever, but they are not party to that although they corrected themselves by mentioning the same green men as you said <laughs> initially they said they yes. they had nothing to do and they they said yes it was us right we did that yeah. but it was taken by international community like normal you know uh, it was lie then it was correction and it was okay so uh, we we really i believe we have to be realistic and if we will be clear we should uh, speak with russia from position of strength i'm not talking about uh, uh, bullying uh, I'm not talking about aggression. I'm talking about consistency. Yeah only clear messages can make difference in that thinking in that type of thinking of the zero-sum philosophy mm-hmm. uh, flexibility will not help here.
1: Yeah Is there anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about that you think is important?
2: Well many things everything was important. I Feel really free. appreciate your questions and you looks like you quite went very much inside of this situation And I that's just, very valuable. I read a lot
1: me too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Minister Linkevicius. Thank you. And Thank you for coming by. Thank you for talking Appreciate with us. Uh, I'm very hopeful that uh, things will work out the way that you have laid them out and hopeful that we can speak again and perhaps someday in, in Lithuania. Pleasure. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up on our next program, remember those mysterious sonic attacks on diplomats in Cuba? Well, now there are reports in China of similar activities happening. But we're also learning more about what most likely drove or was responsible for those attacks in Cuba.
0: It seems very much like a portable audio device. Uh, I guess the easiest way to visualize it would be, think of a parabolic dish that is used during an NFL game to listen. Yeah. Only reverse the, the audio, and you've got the perfect, perfect directional weapon.
1: Chris Simmons, a former counterintelligence officer with the U.S. Army and the Defense Intelligence Agency for more than 20 years with deep experience in Cuba.
0: There's never been a report of a large group of people over an extended area sickened. It's always been a family at this location or an individual in this apart in this hotel room. So it's very focused, very short term, yeah. and that goes to the way audio works. It's as soon it, you know, if you you could do if they wanted to permanently damage someone, all they would have to do is intensify the noise level to about 170 decibels. But a lower, long, longer term signal would cause the illness, the nausea, everything else that we've heard about.
1: That's coming up on our next program. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Please subscribe to our podcast and also let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's the letter J, the color green at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, jgreen at WTOP.com. I'm JJ Green and this is Target USA,
0: the National Security Podcast.
1: If you like this podcast, check out Reasonable Doubt. Every Saturday at Podcast One, world-renowned criminal defense lawyer Mark Garagos reveals the latest in our nation's most high-profile legal cases with podcast king Adam Corolla. And he examines how changes in the legal system affect you. Check out Reasonable Doubt at Podcast One and Apple Podcast. Also, remember to rate and review.